Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I hope you're having a nice, pleasant January day in Chico. I'm glad to be back. I had to miss a couple of weeks. I really don't like having to do repeats, but I appreciate it if you're back listening today. I will be here quite often during tax season because it's a very welcome break to leave the busy tax office and spend an hour here talking with you and hopefully either entertaining or educating or maybe both. Today, I have a returning guest. Mr. Scott Hubbard is here. We're going to talk Chico business, a little bit of whatever news he wants to talk about. I try not to get too political on this show, and politics is kind of crazy right now. But Scott and I are going to keep you entertained and informed for the next hour. Aren't we, Scott? Maybe. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> you promise? Yeah. <laughs> so what's new what's new in the uh, in the Hubbard universe? Wow, that's a pretty loaded question. Uh no pun intended. Before before your listeners uh tuned in, Harold and I were talking about how I had a shooting out on my uh out at our restaurant, or more accurately in the parking lot next door to our restaurant in Sacramento. The oh, Cal no. Expo. The Cal Expo the place. The Cal Expo one. And for those of you who don't know what happened, um uh Sacramento detectives, or excuse me, Sacramento deputy tried to pull over a car on Arden. It refused to pull over. There was a fifteen minute chase, or yeah, I think fifteen minute chase. Uh, the car wound up pulling into um, into Cal Expo uh, next to the horse truck, and the um, the deputy told the guy to get out. He wouldn't get out. Uh, they shot in his window, uh, the back window. And my brother said, "Shouldn't it have been shot out?" And I said, "No, because the bullet was going into the car, so I think it's technically shot in." Probably. So, did, did the police, were the police the first shooter? Is that what happened? Or? From what I heard, the police were the first shooter. Now, keep in mind, I wasn't there, and all I get is what I, what I see on the, on the uh, television. So for those of you who weren't watching the news this morning, they sent in a canine to drag this guy out of the car, and the guy shot the canine, shot mm. the dog, and then proceeded to uh, take out the, uh, uh, start shooting at the deputies. Wow. And the... Uh, Killed one of the deputies until they took him out. Until they took out the the driver, who no one knows why he did it, but um, it was a uh, uh, he was a parolee, is what they said. Hmm. And I probably suspect he had a gun in his car and doing something he wasn't supposed to. And right, thought, he didn't want to get caught. Didn't want to get caught, and they never caught him. I mean, so was that the the sheriff's office? It was, was the, deputies. Right? That was the Sacramento uh, sheriff's. Yeah. yeah. And so they had a, um, you know, so I wake up this morning and they talk about a, uh, about a um, shooting at Cal Expo next to the racetrack. And I, you know, that's my. That's right where you're that's at. That's right, right where my rest. And like the first thing that goes to your head as a business owner, not to mention a human being, is who was hurt, who was injured, how bad is it? Right. You know, and so spent most of, not most, probably about an hour or so this morning calling around trying to find out what happened and where where it occurred and and i spoke to cal expo and they they gave me the rundown wow so but it wasn't directly on your property no right not, next door not, not that it matters i mean right being a deputy is just such a hard job i mean it it really 
is. Being in law enforcement's a hard job, and it's uh, Chris Rock said it best. It's one of those jobs that you just can't get wrong. You just you're expected to be perfect all the time. It's like an airline pilot. Right. You know, no one wants the pilot that does his job well ninety seven percent of the time. Right. It and it's just merciless work in an unforgiving environment, and you know, God bless the people who are willing to to step up and do it. Yeah. I feel the same way. I mean, they're not. Right. They're darned if they do and darned if they don't sometimes, too. Did I tell you I bought go-karts? Oh, how did you acquire the go-karts? We bought them at an auction in Missouri. My brother and I did. Was it a go-kart track going out of business? And a water park and a miniature golf course and batting cages. And you got it all? You got all the equipment? I didn't get the my brother. Oh, he's too tight with the money, right? Oh, no. He wouldn't let me buy the big giant water slides oh. <laughs> I, I, and the wave pool. I so, which, you know, basically a wave pool is a big giant, um, you know, it's, it's yeah, a jacuzzi. It's, right. You know, giant, you're basically yeah. looking at a jacuzzi jet. You know, For 100 people. Yeah. yeah. So I. Uh, now, wait, isn't there already a water park right there at Cal Expo? This wasn't going to be for Cal Expo. This was, this was for like personal use. Oh, <laughs> I live, I live on the side of a, of a mountain. I could just have easily have point, you know, hooked that bad boy up, pointed the hose at the top <laughs> of my hill and just let her rip. I mean, that thing, that would have just been probably hands down one of the best Christmas presents I could have given my kids. Now, did you buy this, the go-kart equipment at an auction or, I mean, did you buy it from an auction place or from the actual old owner? Uh, auction place. What happened was the old owner got swept up in COVID right. and, you know spent a ton of money to get this place up and running and then COVID swept through and, and that was it. And when you're looking at Missouri, Missouri water parks are only good maybe three months out of the year. Right. Possibly. It's only hot for so yeah. long. And the rest of the time, it's it's basically Missouri. And I know you have people from Missouri listening to me right now. Well, but my I'm, mom was born in Missouri. I have to tell you, it was just cold and cloudy when I went there. Oh, you had to actually physically look at we these, had, right? We had to physically load up First off, as soon as you buy, first, okay. First, yeah, how does this work at a real auction? First rule of auctions. Don't buy anything until you know how you're going to get it home. Because you have to get it because out of there. Because you got to get it out of there. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you right now, getting 15 go-karts from Missouri to California is not as easy as it sounds. <laughs> Did you end up renting a big truck? We had to. We had to pay top dollar because no one wanted to go out in the middle of Missouri in wintertime, uh, we had to pay top dollar. Actually, this is, uh, yeah, it has been a while since I've spoke. Yeah, since I've been I haven't here. talked to you lately. Yeah, um, we had to pay top dollar to convince a semi-trailer, two semi-trailers, to drive into basically deliverance country for uh, to load up. And then, you know, there's no one to load up these go-karts except for my brother and me. Right, and, and they're pretty heavy, right? And they are. And so luckily, uh, the local sheriff, uh, dep- deputy sheriff, uh, we hired him to get everything ready and watch them watch over the carts. Because I figure if anyone's going to safeguard them, just hire local law enforcement. Right. So I hired him, and he was more than happy to to do it and and that night when the when the truck showed up early and they said all right you got two hours load up the truck uh, load them up so we can leave you know a full day early right um it was my brother this uh this deputy his 
brother-in-law who operated a, a forklift. He was a forklift operator, although the more I spent time in Missouri, uh, southern Missouri, I realized all of them are forklift operators. <laughs> um, we just loaded up everything we could get our hands on, um, put it in. We didn't finish up till till midnight. It was cold. It was dark. I was sore. I'm 50 years old. I'm, I'm not able to move go-karts anymore what's what's wrong with now did you also buy like the track pieces to set up a track and all you know what go-karts ride on don't you cement it's a go-kart track i'm not jackhammering cement you're gonna put hay bales next no we have to have a track no we already have a track set up we don't need haven't i didn't know i haven't been there how did you grow up in northern california i used to go to arden fair a lot do you have you i used to go to the racetrack i was a horse player okay so you know the little the little fun the fun zone next door yeah i've i've driven by it it has a go-kart track it's a very nice go-kart you know how new is that fun zone i might not have been there i did used to go to the chuck e cheese that's near arden i'm going to date my wife and i don't mean that like physically but like carbon wise she um when she was in high school she went and played miniature golf at that golf course okay then i so that's it i missed it that's at least a 30, 30 year old golf course. Okay. And, and that's on your property? Yep, two of them. And uh, we bought batting cages. Oh. And so now my brother and I, you know, all this, all this education, all these degrees, what are you doing this week, Scott? Well, I'm going to go install batting cages. No, absolutely nothing about installing and batting cages. And they work? They work? They fire the balls? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> You're not, you haven't gotten that far yet. Well, as my mom used to say, well, um, we put it in, uh, we hooked up one, and uh, the electrician hadn't gotten the power out there. He said he did, but he really didn't. So uh, we got to get the electrician out there a second time, uh, get, some, get some power to it. But I hate to say it, I think we got it done, which means having installed one, we're going to have to install another eight or nine of them. But, you know, it's just another revenue stream that gets people coming to, you know, because that's, that's business owning is just how are you going to generate money, how are you going to cut costs, and maximizing those two. I mean, it sounds really, really stupid, but, you know. Well, the thing is, people are right now, they're clamoring for fun like that, and if you can set it up with your state property where you don't have COVID restrictions, you can make a fortune. Yeah, but that, you know, we get, we're getting the vaccine. And once the vaccine comes, I think everyone's just clamoring. Once you say the word clamoring, and now I'm using it. Thanks a lot, Harold. Well, it's, once we get the vaccine, I think everything's going to open up. But my big fear is the damage is already done, especially with respect to the economy. Once, once the evictions start, once the foreclosures start, uh, once, you know, long term it's going to take people a while to return to business i mean they they might show up but they're not gonna i watch a movie now and i see two people talking i think you can't talk that close i know it's like oh that was back before it was that was weird that was 2018 2019 (laughs) you can't talk that close and that's what i notice now and i can't be the only one and so when it's going to take people a while to to get back to to business and that's assuming everyone we get the vaccine enough to to trigger herd immunity and we assume that the virus doesn't mutate because that scares the bejesus out of me too it's, well 
some mutant strain from South Africa or Britain or <laughs> yeah. Japan's going to come in, and that'll be the end of us. Well, every know? week there's a new mutant strain going to kill I us know, all, right? but we're isn't that but awful? we're still here. <laughs> when did you know? How when... did we survive this? I'm alive. On. <sighs> I own a gas station. I own three gas stations. I have, I work very hard to keep my employees safe. I mean, I really do. And, and it bugs the snoot out of them. But I insist that all my employees wear masks, uh, covering their nose. That was that, you know, people died on that hill. I'm not covering my nose. I don't need to cover. Yeah, you really need to cover your nose. It's like walking around. Hey, Cass, there's a joke probably inappropriate for Christian radio. But anyway, okay, then let's I not. always make them wear their I well, always yeah. make well, them wear their mask. Have to, isn't... I make the employees wear the mask. I make the customers wear the mask. And I do everything I can. Uh, if someone even thinks that they've been exposed, you have them tested. You you keep them home until you know for sure. And you know, we've been very, very lucky. We've had we've had employees with exposure, but it's never been at our station. Well, that's good. You know, are you are you still helping the uh, homeless people? Uh, you used to do that on a daily basis. I am. Um, that's a that's a toughie, especially that's actually a longer conversation. I suspect you have a commercial break coming up. There's soon. one coming up in about a minute. Yeah. Um, the the recent clampdown on the parks has been tough on the homeless community. Um, you know, they're they there's this delightful Ninth Circuit opinion. And for people who don't know what the Ninth Circuit is, it's the Court of Appeals. It's the biggest Court of Appeals, Federal Court of Appeals in the United States. It's one step below the California Supreme, uh, the United States Supreme Court. And the Ninth Circuit said in no uncertain terms, you cannot remove the homeless from public lands if they don't have any place else to go. It's, oh, was that a recent case? It was about a year or so. Oh. A year or two. And they said to criminalize homeless people for not having a place to live is cruel and unusual punishment under the Eighth Amendment, and you can't do it. Hmm. It's just that simple. And so I can understand why people don't, why people don't like the homeless living in uh, parks or on, you know, in the city square or on the triangle out there. But the Ninth, but the Ninth Circuit's opinion, which is binding in this land, is absolutely clear. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't know about that case. Well, we're going to be right back on Business Buzz. We're going to be talking some more business. Stay tuned. God gave Abraham an amazing promise, one that would change his life and family forever. Do you have a promise from God? A precious promise for your life? I'm Gary Wilkerson with World Challenge. Has God given you a word from heaven that will both shake and shape your life? Just what is a promise? Is it a new home, a better car, a higher paying job, more fame, more ease, more comfort? If that's your highest promise, you're probably not hearing all that God has for you. His promise is bigger, more amazing than you could imagine. Why? Because His promise is not primarily about you, but about Him. It's a promise of you being a part of something much bigger than yourself, and that bigger thing is God and His purposes. When I live only to gain promises that my life will be bigger, better, and brighter, I miss the higher calling in a life of service to God, making His name known better, His glory seen brighter. We'd love to pray with you so that you could find your highest calling. Contact us at pray.worldchallenge.org. That's pray.worldchallenge.org. I'm Gary Wilkerson. 
She had big dreams of becoming a famous singer, but when she experienced an unplanned pregnancy, she felt her life spiraling out of control. On the next Focus on the Family, Courtney Chapman tells her almost abortion story and shares how God used her baby to change her entire family. That's next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm having a heated argument with Scott Hubbard. That is the dumbest thing I've the ever local heard business drop out of your who, mouth ever. He has ever. more. He has more fingers in more businesses than than a mafia don. That's and, all I can say. And you don't believe in the moon landing, and that's still the dumbest thing that's come out of your mouth <laughs> since I've known you. Don't get me started. <laughs> all right, tell tell them your personal theories on the Oscars, my friend. Go well, ahead and tell them. It seems well. I actually. I actually was going to start, I started and I almost hired a guy, I just didn't follow through, to write a screenplay for a plot that I invented for a play. Okay. And it was going to involve, well, just put it this way. I have a theory that there's two themes that Hollywood loves so much, they earn a disproportionate amount of Oscars. Nazi Germany, Holocaust movies, and homosexual theme movies. I can't remember the names right at the moment, but I'm going to look it up and I'll do a little spreadsheet. Schindler's List and Brokeback Mountain are the only two that will ever come to mind. And maybe Philadelphia. I'll I'll find some. Can you name a single Holocaust movie that's one? Listen, I'm not a racist, but I feel like it's a little too much. It's moron. So I was going (laughs) to write. I was having a a guy I know who's a good good writer. He was going to do me up a screenplay, and it was going to be about the, you know, uh, it was going to be about like like Hogan's Heroes place with some gay men, God. you know, weaseling their way up the 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 the, the ladder. I feel dumber just sitting here. <laughs> okay. This is awful. I this just is figured literally it, the worst. I just figured I'd take a shortcut to the Oscars. Oh, I can't believe I have this man preparing my taxes. And some of my best friends <laughs> are gay. Some of my best clients are gay. I am not. No, you're not. not, a, you're not I'm not a bigot. You're not a bigot. You're not homophobic. You're just a moron. What's wrong with you? This <laughs> you know is... what it is? I'm a conspiracy theorist, and I just got to find one everywhere. How's that? <laughs> okay, don't say it. Don't say I it. know, I know. So, so actually, I, I am curious. Now, your, your Cal Expo business, which I know the public's clamoring for, because I would go there, especially if it's got live music, what is the latest ETA for opening dates. Oh, we are. We are so close. And I got to tell you, I go out there. It's just, Harold, I know that uh, every every parent is, je- is, is biased towards their kid. But I go out there, and it is just so awesome. It's just so much. I walk around, and, you know, for what... For what it is, which is basically a restaurant with uh, amusement attractions surrounding it, it's just so nice. 
It's and there's going to be a music venue too, be, right? It's going to have live music. It's going to have an outdoor bar, an indoor bar, like legit sit down, dine, good good food. It's going to have Kiss. It's going to have two miniature golf courses, go kart racing track. Um, which FYI, after I shelled out this money for the the go karts, someone came by and said, "Hey, we'd like to have, we'd like to tear this track out and put in, uh, comp- and have competitive." Competitive. Wow. Yeah. So there's other people already interested in utilizing your space. Which, of course, my response is, great, drop the proposal. I'd love to see how much you're willing to pay for it. Right. Because, right. you know. Because we can make money on our Because I can, I can just take my Missouri go-karts and go do my, my thing. I don't need you. I don't need to shell out 50 grand so you can have You a, can make 100. So you can have a track to play on. So do you have a name for the go-kart track or is it all going to be related no, to all the... Gonna be, it's all going to be part of Rock and Brews. And okay. they're putting in this big, huge sign like facing Cal Expo. Or right, facing, like the big neon sign. Oh, it's going to be so gaudy. It's going to be fantastic. That's you what can, everybody wants. You're going to love it. And and because uh, it's on state property, uh, the county of Sacramento can't do... Can't, can't do, do a thing. Can't do a thing. No, <laughs> I'm... I mean, I'm sure you've thought of it because I know you and your brother are total entrepreneurs, but... Is there a way to franchise this idea and find other state lands it's, around the country? Now, I know Rock and Brews is Rock already and, is already a franchise. I would not do a deal with the state again. Okay, because of all I, the extra red because tape. Because of all the extra politics in the red tape. And and don't get me wrong. It's Cal Expo and the people in charge of Cal Expo and have been nothing but kind and generous and understanding towards us in getting this thing off the ground. Plus they, because they see it as a great boon to their venue or yes. whatever. Uh, it's, it's again, another, uh, revenue stream. Uh, but also, uh, if they didn't have rock and brews there, they would have to make the, um, the property open available for trailers to put the homeless Oh, so they they wanted to fill this with a business. It was it was sheer happenstance because apparently, and and I'm getting this third third hand from you know third third degree hearsay is that apparently the uh, city of Sacramento or the county of Sacramento, someone from Sacramento thought it would be a great idea to put uh, to give homeless individuals in Sacramento either hotel vouchers so they could stay in a hotel or trailers to live in if they didn't want to stay in a hotel, which is a brilliant idea, and I wholeheartedly encourage. The problem is not everyone who's on the street is socially adjusted. A lot of them are. A lot of them are just like you and me, accountants, manufacturers, uh, warehouse workers, contractors, a lot of contractors. No, I've, I've seen some videos with guys who were formerly whatever yeah just normal human beings but some of them do have impulse control (laughs) issues and social anxiety right and so when you put them in a a commercial hotel that's not adept at that or handling that and they start acting out they get thrown out of the hotel they do it they have no other hotels to go to so they wound up at cal expo living in the trailer because they literally had no place else to go so cal expo wound up being the um ground zero for some of the more troublesome right, the ones that are hard to handle right and so if we weren't there cal expo would have been expected to t- take them all in take on them a, on our right. property too right. and because it's our property they can't 
And so they, uh, there are some at Cal Expo who appreciated that. So you guys are leasing this from Cal Expo on a long-term lease? Yeah, we are, and I, I signed a personal guarantee for that one, so this better work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I had you on the radio. don't know how long we'll be seeing you around then. I know, right? So that was, that was a fun one. And, and negotiating the lease with Cal Expo took some time. But having I would, I would definitely do work with Cal Expo again. I definitely would, because having established that relationship and establishing the friendships that I've made and knowing the people involved and knowing the process and knowing where to show up the meetings and when and 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 uh, who who really knows what to do and yep I absolutely would do business with Cal Expo again is there a chance you can end up working with them on other projects like you would hire bands for the fair maybe if no I I I didn't I didn't, uh, you don't want to be the next Bill Graham. Yeah. That's, that's not my gig, but I keep telling my brother, Josh, uh, we should put a, an embassy suites on Cal Expo. I'd love to own an embassy suites. You have room there. Oh, you mean on Cal Expo? Yeah. Not at our, not on our property. No, but on Cal Expo, they have like in the parking lot and the big, they have this big baking corner on business 80. Oh, and that's part of theirs, but they don't use it. It's part of theirs and they don't use it. I would love just straight up love to put an embassy suites there. Cause I'm one of those guys. I love the big open, the big open floors plans where everyone was, I mean, it's insane to, to heat and cool that terrarium inside right. an embassy suite. Right. It is, it is just so calming and relaxing there. By far my favorite hotel and hmm. my kids love it too. Which one do you go to the most? The, the one down near the river, Sacramento river? Uh, the one I go to the most, if we're being perfectly candid, is the one in Omaha. Oh. <laughs> was this to buy go-kart tracks? Or no, anything? this is just family reunion. Oh, family o- reunion. Omaha, Nebraska? Ne- uh, O'Neill, Nebraska, but, you know, O'Neill who's, doesn't who's have Whose family it. is from Nebraska? My mother's side. Oh, yes. I didn't know that. Yep. And if you tug on my roots hard enough, they will go to Nebraska. That's if If you ask me where I'm from... And I don't say Chico, Nebraska is a is definitely a close second. The people are friendly. Um, the weather's nice. Three months out of the year, I would, I would, I could retire there for some Great. time. And they uh, they have good steaks. I know they have good beef. I'm a vegetarian. Oh, you know that. Sorry, <laughs> I, I keep crossing the line. Yeah, just keep digging it in. We'll be right back on Business Buzz. Stay tuned. Attention KKXX listeners, be sure to tune in weekdays at 8 a.m. for Hope for Today. We are excited to have the opportunity to air the Hope for Today program with David Hawking. Please make sure to support the ministry work of David Hawking and all the other wonderful ministries that allow us to spread the good news of Christ here on the North Valley's home for Christian talk. KKXX 930. Let's go! Wow, Bob the Drop is face jumping off the clouds. That's right, he's right above Mount Shasta. Awesome! Way to stick that landing, Bob. Now he's shredding it up on a snowboard. Wahoo! Look out, here he comes. Woo, that was cool and refreshing. It should be. It's going to be Mount Shasta Spring Water in 500 years. Have it delivered right to your home or office by calling 1-800-922-6227. Pure and simple, naturally, the best. Mount Shasta Spring Water. 
a social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics, but also information about the hurdles I was facing. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Tax season's coming up. If you need help, call me. I'll see if I can figure out a way. I've only been doing it for 40 years. I think I can, I think I can help. So Scott Hubbard is here. He's, uh, we're going to have a little bit of a discussion on, I mean, honestly, he even, I won't give away any identity stuff, but he even has a license plate that mentions Supreme Court. Supreme Court on it. <laughs> so I've always thought that Scott kind of honored the legal system and the court system, but I just asked him and we're going to talk about it. Do you have faith in the, you've got direct personal experience with the U.S. Supreme Court. No, not the Supreme Court. The yeah, Ninth, you do. The Ninth Circuit. No, you applied to the Supreme Court. They turned me down. I know. And, but but that say, is, that's experience. When you say I applied to it, I filed a petition for certiorari. I filed at least five of them in my day been turned down every single time oh i didn't know that i've yeah. just seen that one no i've, I've got so it. so he's he's got these okay so tell, tell me what is your opinion of the u.s court system and why i mean just you know drill down a little bit i love the court system well i like the theory of it too no i i love the actual court systems the thought of of um, resolving differences, maybe you know, maybe not to everyone's satisfaction because you can't do that. But it is such a critical component of our democracy, taking away the violence for solving disputes. And uh, there are some inherent problems that come with the fact anytime you have uh, one person or twelve people making a judgment call about a particular dispute. Because they always bring in uh, their experiences, their uh, their knowledge, their biases, and uh, even even if they're aware of them and try to set them aside, it's really hard to set them aside. It's like watching a football game. You know, no one, no one. You can watch who played who played the Bills, the Ravens, right? The uh, Ravens, right? I don't give a rat's patoot about who wins the Bills Ravens game. I just don't. It's so far off the things that I care about. You would need a microscope or a telescope to see it. And yet, if you put me down in front of a TV that has a Bills and the Ravens game playing, I'm going to start cheering for one team or the other. It's just going to 
It's for just some, going. Right, for whatever reason. You know, as soon as you sit down, you're cheering for one side or the other. And uh, it's human nature. And when you uh, are, when you don the black robe or when you enter that jury box, you, and you think I'm going to set aside and I'm just going to watch the Bills Ravens game. But, you know, in your mind, you're, you're paying attention. You're starting to ruin maybe some roots, perhaps subconsciously for one side or the other. And sometimes that shows actually a lot of times it shows. And I've been on the, uh, I tended to practice areas of law that weren't particularly popular. And in those areas, you can see the bias and the prejudice start to eke in. And it's unfortunate. Now, there are a lot of judges out there who uh, will straight up, this is law and I'm going to follow it. I might disagree with it, but I'm going to follow it. Those judges are few and far between. Right. A lot of them... This is, they were put on the bench. A lot of them were put on the bench by Mitch McConnell because this is my ideology. This is what I believe in, and this is how I'm going to rule. And it's not fact-based, it's ideology-based. And that, that bugs me because I've seen that firsthand. And uh, I've had liberal judges that never did me any favors. And I've had conservative judges uh, who, you know, I disagree with, Polit, uh, politically, back me up every step of the way. And you just, it, that's the way it should be. It should be based on the merits. It should be based on the law. It should be based on uh, the intent of Congress or the California legislature. And too often or not, it's not. Hmm. Uh, too often or not, the um, my, my friend once told me trial judges, because I, I was complaining, not I don't do any work in the Butte County Superior Court or any of the local state courts. So if any of you think I'm talking about the Superior Court or the local judges, I'm not. I'm talking about at the federal level. And my friend told me at the federal level, Scott, the trial judges, the district judges aren't paid to be right. They're paid to make decisions. And that's, that's what it boils down to. And of course, this is a springboard into the discussion. What do I think about uh, Trump's challenges to electoral fraud you know, from the yeah, slap. yeah, and and not one court heard one bit of that evidence. Well, they heard the evidence; they just disagreed with it. And on that point, you know, I—that's a toughie because first off, I have not read all sixty court opinions and all of the evidence supporting it. So what I'm reading from, uh, what I know, comes from Fox News and um, and. Um, MSNBC and uh, PBS, which in case oh, anyone that, wants, that's that's the beginning of the problem. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. be that. No, as... uh, what I heard, and I, I don't, I, I don't follow this. I don't have enough time to do it. I heard that of all these courts that said no to listening to anything, none of them actually looked at the evidence. That's what I heard. Well, there's two. That may or may not be the case, but keep in mind that at the stage that the court was looking at it, it assumes all of Trump's evidence is true. It's affidavits. Yeah, it assumes the affidavits are true because you yeah. have to remember from your uh, Civ Pro class with Montgomery, when you're attacking the pleadings, you assume all the facts in the pleadings are true. Right. So here is Trump's attorneys presenting their evidence saying, we would like to go forward with this complaint. Here's, the, here's our facts as we're stating them. 
So the judge begins from the position that the facts of the Trump team are presenting are true. And from there, the judge says, looking, viewing these facts as true, I find that as a matter of law, you have not presented sufficient evidence to establish a claim as a matter of law, which is saying, even if everything you said is true, it's not enough to set aside or to establish voter fraud. How could a, how, if there, and I'm not going to say whether there was or not, but if there were a crooked election with all the bad stuff that's been alleged, how would it ever be caught if the court won't look at it? Well, and this, I this, mean, are we hopelessly foregone here? Well, first off, the court did look at it, looked at it 60 times, and that's not counting the appeals, where every time they, they offered the Didn't evidence, they basically say no standing? Wasn't that their main thing? Some of them were no standing, but uh, some of them were also, and standing is a big deal. Well, yeah. Article 3 But standing. when it comes to a, a national vote, I think every every voter would have standing. If you can, well, I don't have <laughs> I don't have standing to complain about how Texas conducts its election. If they don't follow their, I don't have standing to complain. That yes, you was, do because your vote might have no, got canceled. No, because the last thing the last thing the Supreme Court wants, and when Texas filed that big huge yeah, thing, and they said this yeah. is the one, this is the one. This, I saw that and I said, I told my friend who's who's very conservative on Facebook, so you can figure out. Um, well, he's probably not there anymore. Yeah, I said, yeah, <laughs> yeah she's gone. He was on Facebook. <laughs> I said, there's no way the Supreme Court is going to let Texas dictate how elections are conducted in California and vice versa. There's no way they, you just. You, I think as, as, a, as a student of Doug Jacobs, <laughs> I think you missed something there. The state legislatures are the only ones who can make voting laws. And these COVID laws were done by the governors and the secretaries of state in all the key swing states. It's funny how it's only those four or five that mattered. It's, you know, and that's an excellent point. And someone from that state should probably make that argument to... To go somewhere with a standing. That's the standing. But, you know, they're not because... let's. Yeah, but when a state sues another state, like, don't they get into that, like, over water and Colorado River? Don't you have to go to the Supreme Court for that? But the Supreme Court says it's a very narrow exception, and uh, they want it starting in the district courts. There's a lot of state versus state lawsuits in the federal district courts, which are the federal trial courts. The Supreme Court didn't want them jumping. Supreme Court is overworked. There are 8,000 petitions filed. No, I know. They really don't want to take they on a new one. They don't want a case. They right. just don't. They're overworked, underpaid. Uh, and don't they take a lot of time on each case? I mean, when they do take them? They do. And you want to you wanna hear the best rule for jacking up the number of justices on the Supreme Court? Look at their workload. You know? I, frankly, the, the workload for the federal judiciary has increased like 200% over the last 10 years, and they have the same number of judges. Well, while we're on the subject, I want you to bring up what we talked about off the air. You're going to work on a database like I am for Hollywood. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's the dumbest thing I've said so far. No, I, you know, part of me. Okay, let's just, we got to tell people why. Okay. When an attorney spends months and months and hours and hours and dollars and dollars, I'm, 
I'm putting these words in their mouth. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I was involved a little bit in that right. one. So he spends months and months and hours and hours, and he knows for a fact that one side got totally, I'll say the word screwed. Hosed. Hosed. <laughs> one side got ripped off big time, and he knows this is a perfect case for the Supreme Court to take as an example case. And he spends all the time and all the money. And what happened? Get denied 97.9% of the yeah. time. So Mr. Hubbard, being of an inquisitive mind, he decided, I would like to figure out which cases and why. Maybe we can work this in with my screenplay. <laughs> okay. Here's <laughs> screenplay then. Here's the deal. Moneyball, the Brad Pitt yeah, movie with the good. ace. Where, where, uh, you know, they start looking at what was the name of the... Um, the baseball guru who figured out that baseball's about statistics. You don't right. want you right. don't want to buy players, you want to buy stats. You want to buy hits, you want to buy right. runs. Right. You need this many runs to win a game. Right. Um I am a firm believer that with respect to the federal ju- judiciary uh that there is a uh, if you will the stats the stats don't lie. The numbers don't lie that the judges rule a specific way because they want to, and they will manufacture the reason to get there. Oh, you're kidding. Sorry, you we got our last break. We're coming right back with Scott Everett. I hate Everett. you he's, so much right now. He actually has a good idea right uh, now, I think. So we'll be right back. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. Pacific Justice Institute. This is The Legal Edge, defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Davis. In two separate cases, the U.S. Supreme Court effectively reversed and remanded pandemic-related limits on attendance at houses of worship in New Jersey and Colorado. Plaintiffs in both cases consider the court's actions a huge victory for religious freedom. Both rulings showed court concern that churches get equal treatment with secular activities. Disparities between restrictions on religious activities and secular activities violate the free exercise clause. Now, the Supreme Court has made it clear that religious liberty is not a second-class right. Learn more about our ministry and get exclusive email updates by registering for The Legal Insider at pji.org. Remember the website, pji.org. Okay, man, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. Cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Show the world that you're tougher than tough. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Oh, you 
Okay, we're as you can see, we're here with Scott Hubbard you having are another killing me. We're having another heated what argument. What is wrong with you? No. <laughs> Okay, so where were we? Honestly, oh. why do we even do the commercials? You always yeah. say the most inflam. <laughs> you know what? He takes the commercials to say the most inflammatory things, knowing it's going to get worked up, and then he presses the button and switches me back on. Hey, how else you can are I nuts? How else can I get a dramatic Absolutely radio crazy. show crazy at, at three forty-five okay. p.m. on a weekday? You cannot tell me that there is a conspiracy on the state, federal, and local levels from Democrats and Republican governors, secretaries of states, county recorders, officers, You do know judges. I'm going to lose half my clients this tax season because you're, you're bringing this up. It, <laughs> what's wrong with you? That's for off-the-air talk. Oh. <laughs> okay, anyway. So, Scott, do you think it's possible to do a database thing and figure out which cases the court takes and which ones they don't? Is it subject-wise? Like they want an abortion case this year? They want a gun case this year? I mean, is it based on subjects? I'm not speaking to you. <laughs> that doesn't work too well on, on a radio show. Yes. It's, no. sub, it's subject-driven, isn't it? No, it's the way I see it. And there's really, you can't really, you can't really get into the minds of the justices because a lot of the cases that they take are politics. You know, what's, what's the issue du jour? What's, what's really... That's what I mean. When yeah, they need really, a big abortion case, they t- seem to find one. But there are certain cases also, certain, certain facts that you really... that also affect it, that aren't related to politics. For example, there are times when the court is busier than others. Like when they just come off their summer, their summer break, they have all the time in the world. And they're really likely to take a case right then. And, uh, you know, they start taking them, start taking them for like three months. And then once they're filled, the number of cases they take drops. And it drops for another like three months until the end of the term. When all the cases that they had, some of them they took in the start, uh, they fall through because they settle. Or maybe one of the parties dies. Or maybe, you know, whatever, the person gets deported or, you know, who knows. And all of a sudden, they have a little bit more time in their schedule, and they've got to fill it. And so then all of a sudden, they take a whole, a whole ton of cases. Now, that has abs- the, the calendar has absolutely nothing to do with politics. And yet, your odds of have, the odds of having your case uh, accepted increase or decrease by as much as 300%, depending upon when, time of year? when what month you file, uh, they, they decide whether or not to take it. That's insane. So tell me this. I mean, you, I mean, I have a law degree, but the furthest I've ever gone in real life is small claims twice that I've won both of them as the plaintiff. Good man. But <laughs> what then really, in your opinion, cause you're, you're kind of into this stuff. What is the job of the Supreme court? If it's not an appeals place, because they may not decide, they may decide. In other words, if I lose in the in the local court, I can always appeal. You can. Can a judge in an intermediate court say, I don't want to take that? <sighs> Honestly, I mean, what's the rule? It, it it's depends. a little weird that the Supreme Court can say, I don't want to talk about it. The Supreme Court's called a discretionary court. Right. Now, you have to remember. But the other ones aren't? Uh, sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. The Court mm. of Appeals, which right. is in between right underneath. The, the district court— you, for those of you who aren't familiar with, who haven't taken Professor Montgomery's civil oh. procedure class, 
Uh, I think I liked that class the least, but whatever. I, I remember sitting in that class thinking, why am I learning federal civil procedure? I am never going to need to know. And it turns out you didn't need and to it, know the state. And it turns out <laughs> I spent 20 years doing federal civil procedure. Law students are morons. But that said, there's three levels. There's the district court, which is where you have the trials. There's the court of appeals, which you naturally take up. To appeal. To appeal. And then there's the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, the Court of Appeals is not a discretionary court. So uh, they have to listen have to, to your if appeal. You, if, you timely, if you do it right. If you yeah. timely file a notice of appeal right. and it's a final judgment, they have to consider it. They might not rule in your favor. They might sanction you for filing a frivolous appeal. They might insult you in a published opinion. You know, it sounds like you've got some experience Oh, that. it just drives me bonkers. <laughs> but they, they have to do it. Now... When you have courts, courts of appeal disagreeing, someone has to, when the, when the Ninth Circuit- Okay, right. The, the Ninth says Circuit, one thing and they, the other one says the opposite. And so they get 8,000 of these every, every year. And, you know, take away- What do they the, see, like 50? And they do like 30? And they do or? like 80. 80. You know, maybe a, li- maybe a little more. Right. But it's, you know, or 100 and something. But regardless, all, the, all those petitions- have merit there's a split in just about every single one of them because you know no one agrees on it you can't tell me that a judge in san francisco and a judge in florida are gonna agree on anything or in omaha or in omaha or in kansas or in alaska in missouri near the go-kart track you know new york and california are both supposedly liberal democrat hot hotbeds they disagree all the time and someone has to be up there um sorting it all out and there's, they get like 8,000 of those. So you have to do something that makes yours stand out. And then you start looking, well, okay, take politics out of the equation. Is it, is when it's filed, does that have any effect? Turns out it does. Um, if it's an appeal from the Ninth Circuit versus the Fifth Circuit, does that have any effect? Statistically, it does. The Supreme Court takes more cases from the the Ninth Circuit appeals from the Ninth Circuit than it does any other circuit. Now, on one hand, we're the biggest, but on the other hand, we're a liberal, liberal hotbed. They're a conservative Supreme Court. There's going to be there's going to be some disagreements. Now, between. does the Ninth stretch from like all the way to Canada or oh, something? It is literally the western half of the United it's States. A large geographic Hawaii, area: Hawaii, Alaska, California, Oregon, Guam, Nevada, Arizona. Washington, Saipan, Washington, Honolulu. I mean, it just Idaho, probably. I think maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Wow. But it's a huge court, and they now they how many judges are on the Ninth Circuit? I think fifty. Oh, and they they rotate, right? Or no, they they all you know it's been. Do 50. they sit with the same people all the time? All the time. There's something by sitting by designation. So if you're a federal judge in another part of the United States and want to sit on the the Ninth Circuit and hear a couple of cases with them. Oh, they love that. Uh, first off, it allows the federal government to pay the judges travel. So if I want to go to Washington for some reason, for, right. you know, if I want to go to Washington, I call up the DC Circuit. If I'm a federal judge, and say, hey, I'd like to sit by designation. They say, sure. Federal government pays for my trip. Now, d- didn't the word <laughs> circuit come from the fact that they used to ride horses around? The judges would go on horseback. No, what? That's, I'm not that Where smart. did the word circuit come from? I'm not an ephthalmologist. I'm going to have to look it up. 
But any case, I think me personally, I think that there are certain factors that determine non-political factors that determine what cases uh, the Supreme Court takes. So if you had a database of all 8,000 for the last 20 years. 8,000 times 20, so that'd be 160,000 cases. Versus the 1,600 that they did take. Yeah. Wouldn't you love to see the regression models on that one? Because I'm pretty sure these judges play favorites. The justices play favorites. I'm pretty sure that I bet you would find certain subjects way up in the bell curve that shouldn't be there. Because the subjects change, but the people... I, I think it's the people. I think you mean the the litigants, the attorneys. Oh, I think that. Ah, uh, oh yeah. If it's that guy from CNN, what's you know? I have no idea. Those who you're famous guys about. on TV. There are Dershowitz. No oh. If he does it, they probably take it, right? I'm not so sure about that, but you know, politics plays a big chunk of it. Like for example, um, Trump's election. Supreme Court wasn't going to go anywhere near it. It got burned with Bush v. Gore, and the last thing they were going to do was let the um, get uh, suckered into deciding another election, and they knew it. They absolutely knew it. I know they wanted to avoid it. And they did, didn't they? Yeah. And I kept telling that to my, to my friends who, my conservative friends who said, as opposed to my liberal friends, so, which is funny because I don't have any. Um, I kept telling them, they're not taking it. They're not taking it. They're not taking it. They're n- no, they're not going to do it. And they didn't believe well, me. Well, I don't think the suit asked them to decide who was going to be president. Come on. Yes, it did. Yeah. It straight up did, and you knew it. It was, they knew that if th- they weren't going to come anywhere near that case, not now, not ever. And <sighs> well, it, it makes me wonder if there's any court system that can help the little guy because obviously they just, decided to ignore what I see as the biggest problem of, of the last hundred hundred years. Do you know what? I This might sound, I find that conservative judges follow the law more than liberal ones. I, and, could, see, I could see that. And really, that's, as an, as an attorney, that's what I like. The, you know, yeah, following the law. That's the, why you go to law school. The best, the best judges I've seen are conservative judges who follow the law. The second... Well, actually, I'd say liberal judges that follow law. Second yeah. is <laughs> when when you find one, there aren't any liberal judges anymore. <laughs> you know, they, when people are talking about that liberal court, nope, there's there's not a single liberal judge. There may be three of them left in in on in California on the federal judiciary. There are no more liberal judges. They are gone. They oh, are absolutely because of the last four years. Just Mitch McConnell wouldn't let anyone through that was even had even a hint of liberal or even moderate, and so he wouldn't let anyone, um, and that, you know, that's why Trump got to appoint a third of the judiciary, because Mitch had a, uh, oh, he had stopped, he had, like, stopped all the appointments? Yeah, he oh. basically, I mean. Because he's been in for, what, 30, 40 years? Yeah, he's gonna, I, Mitch is in a, Mitch is, <sighs> I, I might not like Donald Trump, but Mitch McConnell's a backstabber. He's just, the way he's, he's treating Trump on the way out, that's just, you know. Well, when I found out that his father-in-law is a Chinese businessman who gave him $25 million cash as a wedding gift, I almost fell off my chair. I know, right? I had no idea. It's the, it's the populist Mitch McConnell who sticks yeah, up right. for the little guy. <laughs> he shops at Walmart at 2 a.m., you know, for groceries. Come yeah. on. Come on, that's the biggest. That's the biggest con in the world. 
It's so. uh, yeah, it's crazy. So, it's, you know, so how how many uh, how much of your time is going to be spent on uh, the Rock and Brews Sacramento when it gets in? Are you going to be hands on that manager? Thing? I really don't want to be. It's it's a nice it's nice, but. You have employees. No, I mean, you wouldn't be the manager there nine to five, but I mean, would you be like visiting once a week to I'd be supervise? Like Scarface sitting in my booth in the back, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, playing the gangster. I said playing. I, I'm you'd probably, have the, and you'd have the big jacuzzi tub at the embassy uh, suites <sighs> right across the street. <laughs> I don't know that. You know, I, I, one of my biggest regrets is I didn't never got to spend more time in front of the United States Supreme Court or even any time. Cause that just seems like I, I came close so many times, so I had so much off, so many, so many really good cases, and, right. and they could have really, yeah, you know, just straight up big cutting edge, you know, hard hitting cases. Well, the one that I saw you working on that I helped a little bit it was a billion that was the dollar most, fraud. It was a billion dollar ripoff, cut and dried, and it should have been yeah. adjudicated properly. And I'll be darned, they turned you down. I couldn't believe that. Yeah, it was, it was. It was a kind of a slam dunk. Yeah, it? here's, here's what happened is that the, this company had figured out a way to steal money from the pension. And every time they took money out of the pension, it made the stock price go up. And the pension only invested in, in that stock. That stock is the only thing it owned. And so they, you know, for example, you take it. They take out the stock is a value of a hundred dollars. They take out a million dollars. The stock now has the value of one hundred and twenty dollars. Yeah. And the and the employees who invest in this stock thought this was the greatest thing because in the world. they were told that the employees were going to be the owners of yeah. that pension plan. And so here's the stock. No, they were going to be the owners of the company. Yeah. Until the until management stole them because then the whole thing would come out. And so is you that know, company still around? Oh yeah. I ain't saying its name, but yeah. Oh my this God. is all public Those record. Crooks. And so it was, uh, you know, they were they were posting gains twenty percent, thirty percent per year for thirty years, and never had a losing year. And I'll tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen, if someone says I have a stock that goes up twenty to thirty percent a year and never goes down, something's fishy. I guarantee you. And the judge in that case, he looked at me and said, "Oh yeah, these guys are frauds. They didn't do their due diligence. They lied. This is absolutely." reprehensible now hubbard let me tell you why you're not getting a dime <laughs> hey thanks for joining us on business buzz thanks scott Till next we'll time, see you friend. next time aloha